Este episodio de Voces de Resistencia fue grabado en inglés y en español. Para escuchar en español, avance a minuto 17 con 48 segundos. This episode of Voces de Resistencia is recorded in English and Spanish. To listen in Spanish, fast forward to 17 minutes and 48 seconds. You know, I got to hear just from so many Coloradans about how crucial paid leave is. Welcome to Voces de Resistencia, a 9to5 Colorado podcast where we dive into our work as the Colorado chapter of the 9to5 National Association of Working Women. My name is Catherine Garcia. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm your host for this episode. In this episode, we're talking about the need for paid family and medical leave in Colorado. My guest is 9to5 Colorado senior organizer, Caitlin Altum. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, everyone. So you've become the de facto expert on paid leave in our organization. Explain what paid family and medical leave is and talk about your role in this whole process. Yeah. So when we're talking about paid family and medical leave in general, what we're referring to is paid time off from work in order to care for yourself because you have a serious health condition, care for a family member with a serious health condition, or because you're welcoming a new child, whether through birth, foster, or adoption. Um, this type of leave is different from other types of leave folks might be familiar with, like sick time, vacation time, disability. Um, all of these types of leave are really important and are part of the fabric of what workers need and their families need to have just workplaces, um, but paid family and medical leave plays a distinct purpose um, for these more serious life events. And for myself, I've been on the nine to five team for a couple of years now. And when I first joined staff, I basically spent an entire summer canvassing on paid family and medical leave talking to folks in the community about what their need was and their experiences. Um, and through that, you know, I got to hear just from so many Coloradans about how crucial paid leave is and the hardships that their families and themselves are going through because they're making impossible choices between these life events that need care, that need time, and the ability to have an income, keep their home, pay their bills, um, have food, all those things that are we have to have. Over the years at 9to5, um, I've continued to work on paid family and medical leave, organizing with our members, with community, in our coalition spaces, first working to pass it at the state legislature, then finally at the ballot. And for the last couple of years, I have been chairing the state coalition, um, working on the implementation of paid family and medical leave after it was passed at the ballot so that we can ensure that the program that we get is the equitable program that we fought for and that we need. So when did the fight for paid leave begin here in Colorado? A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Organizing first began for paid family and medical leave in Colorado um, over 10 years ago. And 9to5 has been working on it and leading on it since the beginning. Um, the fight for paid family and medical leave, I think, you know, 
folks not might might not realize like how much of a challenge this was. Um, when you talk to people, I think pretty much everyone thinks it's a good idea, and we're also one of a very small number of countries in the entire world that does not have some form of paid leave. So it feels like it should be a no-brainer. Why is it so hard to get this? But at the root, you know, it is shifting power um, into the hands of workers and their families to be able to care for themselves. Folks that have power are giving something up with that. So we did have to work for many years to continue to increase our power um, which ultimately culminated in passing it at the ballot. And we are the first state in the country to pass paid family and medical leave um, through voters. Woo! Right? Which is <laughs> really cool um, that, you know, the people did it. Now, there's currently a federal family and medical leave law, but that doesn't cover our community's needs. Why is that? Oh, it certainly does not. So the Federal um, Family and Medical Leave Act, which folks might be familiar with, might have used themselves, um, is a federal law that provides job protection for the same reasons your own serious health condition, family member that you're caring for, new child, but it's only job protection. And most folks are not able to you know, step aside from work if it means they're not getting a paycheck. So that doesn't work for a lot of folks on that most basic level. But also, there are pretty burdensome eligibility requirements for that federal law to be even able to take that time. You have to be at your place of work for at least a year, have worked a certain number of hours. There's place of employment size qualifications. And due to all of that, a huge portion of the workforce is not even eligible for this. Um, And that law was passed over two decades ago, and there hasn't been movement on this issue from the federal government since then. So we have had to, you know, as states, pass our own laws, create our own programs so that we can make sure that our communities are protected. And we are the 10th state to pass paid family and medical leave. So as we've mentioned in past episodes, 9to5Colorado's membership base consists primarily of working women of color and non-binary community members. And many of our folks have had a long-term need for paid family and medical leave. Talk about that. Yeah. So the issues that 9to5 works on are issues that are the priority needs for women of color, working class families, low-wage communities, immigrant communities especially. And paid family and medical leave, while it's lacking all over the place, the heaviest burden for not having paid family and medical leave through your employer, which would be the only way to get it at this point, is felt by women of color. In general, and the stat is for across the country, over 80% of workers do not have paid family and medical leave. Wow. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, Provided by their employer. And when you look at it for women of color, you know, these folks are carrying a higher expectation of being caregivers they're more likely to be paid lower wages, be working part-time, you know, primary breadwinners for their families. 
So when we're looking at paid leave, it's a major gender and racial equity issue to have this benefit and this right for our communities. And when you're looking at the lack of paid leave, you know, just like over a lifetime between generations, these folks are, you know, being pushed out of the workforce potentially multiple times over their career because they need to take care of somebody, they have their own health concern, they're starting over, you know, in a new job, that's a salary hit. Um, And they're also not getting time, you know, at the start of a new child's life or joining their family to really like recover, um, whether that's from childbirth or to bond. And I think that's just a huge trauma that is deeply upsetting. So I know obviously we have uh, plenty of members who are affected by this issue. So is there a member story that really captures the need for paid leave in the state? I don't think there's one specific member because this issue is just so like widespread. It's also almost like the norm Mm -hmm. for people to talk about like making do or like creating some crazy patchwork between time they do have saved up or just, you know, having to leave their job and all of that. Um, But I think, you know, just over these like many years of like organizing on paid family and medical leave, there's been a lot of folks who have shared their stories, you know, everything from having cancer, you know, needing chemo, time off, that can be a really like long-term thing, having elderly family members, whether that's with, you know, dementia or other types of health issues that folks like really want to like show up for, you know, these are their family, they love them, and they're not able to be there to the extent that they feel that they need to and want to because otherwise they would be losing their job, losing a paycheck. There's plenty of folks who have given birth and then returned to work very quickly afterwards. You know, I've heard stories about pregnancy, like morning sickness, that is by no means morning sickness because it has lasted 24-7 throughout the entire pregnancy. Birth complications. Um, Also just, you know, accidents and injuries. I think we hear like a lot of folks too where it can really be like a spiraling event. They can get injured. Maybe they have health insurance. Maybe they don't. Um, This then impacts like their housing security and, you know, it can be a really um, destabilizing with long lasting impacts. And as you mentioned before, 9to5 Colorado was a big part of moving this need and policy change forward. What were some of the roadblocks we faced as an organization? Yeah. So as we mentioned, you know, this campaign has gone on for, for many years. Um, I think it's also important to know, um, you know, I'm just one in like a line of organizers that have worked on this. I think one challenge that I want to highlight, I'm a white woman, so this isn't my story to tell, but it's a really obvious and like clear problem. Women of color leading this, you know, coalition in the space before me have faced a lot of burnout, also like lack of respect from the general ecosystem of their leadership. And I think it's important, you know, to highlight this as we work on these issues that this is a challenge. And, you know, folks who are 
allies in this work. You know, we can all show up and like do better to respect the women of color leaders in this work where we would literally not have this policy. We would not have this program without them. Yeah, and that looked like what canvassing, door knocking, those on the ground tactics. Yeah, some of that is also like not always having the organizing piece being prioritized because organizing is long-term, time-consuming work. And we know we need power. Um, That's how, you know, it doesn't matter how right we are. um, We have to have the power to have um, our wins and that requires organizing. I think also another challenge that like is good for folks to know about, you know, for many years we're working to pass paid family and medical leave um, at the state legislature. And in the last couple of years of that, you know, it was looking like things were really like in our favor with the makeup of the legislature. But there we hit so many roadblocks that eventually forced us to go to the ballot. And what was difficult was not the folks who were obviously not in our corner, held opposing beliefs, you know, they weren't gonna be on our side. It was the legislators who supposedly do have more progressive beliefs, are making those commitments to Colorado communities and workers, when actuality, they are more aligned with business, employers, profit, um, than working Colorado families. And so we always had more of a smaller pool of folks who, you know, were standing in the way of getting this policy passed who were our targets. And that's disappointing. Extremely disappointing. The biggest hurdle that we faced in passing paid family and medical leave was the threat of privatizing the program. Privatization essentially is taking something that should be, you know, a public good, um, not something that is making a profit, and instead putting it in the hands of for-profit companies, corporations. And with paid family and medical leave, would be hugely problematic. I think everyone, you know, you bring up your your health insurance, any type of insurance. We all have had huge headaches, hurdles, gaps in coverage. There's built-in discrimination and inequity, um, especially, you know, towards women, um, towards folks that the companies that are trying to make a profit look at you and say, oh, you're more expensive. And this happened with paid family and medical leave in Colorado um, at a moment when it looked like we were going to get it through the legislature. Um, But then our governor, Polis, introduced the idea of actually, instead of having a state-run program, let's create a mandate and then employers can um, just get covered by for-profit insurance companies. And this would be a whole story of like it is with our health insurance, where we lose our job and we lose our coverage. We have to restart every single time we switch jobs. It's a whole patchwork if you have multiple jobs. Essentially, somebody is profiting off of the hardships of Coloradan families. Over the many years that we were working on the campaign for paid family and medical leave, in those early years, you know, it would be introduced in the legislature. There wasn't really an expectation that it would pass right away. 
power had to be built, momentum had to be won, we had to shift and control the narrative. But we showed that progress kept being made. We were building that power. Um, you know, one year it would make it through the through committee for the first time. The next it would make it through the house for the first time and so on. Um, in those last couple of years of where it was a real possibility that we could win paid family and medical leave. You know, we did face some other hurdles. Um, one year when we thought it could pass, it ended up being turned into a steady bill. Then that next year, we're like, okay, this year is the year. It never even got introduced because we had to fight off privatization, but it was actually a huge win that we stopped the privatization of the program. Um, and that's what led us to going to the ballot, which allowed us to pass the state-run paid family and medical leave program that we'd always been aiming for. Well, thank you, Caitlin, for breaking down the obstacles and history of paid family and medical leave in Colorado. In episode five, we'll have you back to talk about the big win of family and how Colorado workers can benefit from the program. I'm looking forward to it. That wraps up episode four of our podcast. Thank you for joining us on Voces de Resistencia. In our next episode, we'll hear more from Caitlin Altone about the benefits you're entitled to as a Colorado worker under family. If you were inspired by today's episode, please visit 9to5.org to learn more information about our mission and vision. There, you can also give a monetary donation to help uplift our voices of resistance. My name is Catherine Garcia, and this is Voces de Resistencia, a 9to5 Colorado podcast. Thanks for listening. Esto sería un beneficio que de verdad ayudará a nosotros como mujeres, pero también a nosotros como familia. Bienvenidos a Voces de Resistencia, un podcast de 95 Colorado, donde hablamos sobre nuestro trabajo como el sucursal de Colorado de la Asociación Nacional de Mujeres Trabajadoras 95. Mi nombre es Jocelyn Iboa. Mis pronombres son ella, la. Soy la becaria de Justicia Climática de 9 a 5 Colorado. Soy la presentadora de este capítulo. Volvemos con Edith Mata, organizadora principal de 9 a 5 Colorado. Salimos del episodio 4 con un poco de suspenso. Usted se ha convertido en la experta de licencia pagada en nuestra organización. Explica qué es la licencia familiar y médica pagada y habla sobre tu papel en todo este proceso. La licencia familiar y médica pagada viene siendo un beneficio que es una aseguranza social que los trabajadores de Colorado van a poder usar en el 2024, empezando en enero. Este programa va a poder darle a los trabajadores la oportunidad de tomar tiempo por si acaso tienen problemas de salud ellos mismos, sus familias, o si van a um, traer una persona nueva del miembro de familia, puede ser um, un bebé o alguien que puedan um, adoptar, cosas así. Así que viene siendo algo que los trabajadores necesitan en Colorado. Um, mi papel como organizadora para la licencia familiar y médica pagada viene siendo um, tratando de mejorar los derechos de los trabajadores, poder ir a hablar con ellos, um, dejarles saber cuáles son las cosas que pueden usar, cómo usar el beneficio. Um, igual, 
cuáles son las cosas que pueden usar el beneficio en trabajo, así que sabiendo cómo usarlo es muy importante. Entiendo que la lucha para la licencia pagada uh, duró mucho tiempo. ¿Me puedes contar exactamente cuándo comenzó la lucha aquí en Colorado? La lucha fue algo un poco larga. Teníamos casi 10 años tratando de pasar un beneficio de seguridad para nuestros trabajadores aquí en Colorado. Wow. Pero um, el 2020 es cuando pudimos sacarlo para, la, para que las personas aquí en Colorado voten si acaso ellos querían una licencia um, social. Entonces, lo bueno que pasó y la gente de Colorado votó para poder empezar esta licencia. Entonces, con la implementación que empezamos este año, um, en el 2023, para poder asegurarnos que la licencia tenga todo lo que necesite para poder ayudar a nuestros trabajadores ya empezando el 2024. ¿Y me puedes contar un poquito por qué actualmente existe una ley federal de licencia médica y familiar? Pero eso no cubre las necesidades de nuestra comunidad. ¿Por qué es eso? Me imagino que cuando hay una ley federal um, de licencia médica o familiar o cualquier otra cosa, um, no es muy específica para las cosas que necesitan estados o comunidades específicos. Entonces, lo que nosotros trabajamos fue para agarrar algo que fue equidable para la gente y nuestros trabajadores. Y este programa es necesitado específicamente aquí en Colorado porque vimos mucha necesidad de nuestros trabajadores en donde ellos tienen que a veces escoger si van a trabajar, pagar sus biles o si van a cuidar de sus familias. Y a veces eh, uno tiene que hacer las dos cosas y las circunstancias a veces no, no dejan hacer eso. Como mencionamos en episodios anteriores, la base de miembros de 9 a 5 Colorado consta principalmente de mujeres trabajadoras en, de color y miembros de la comunidad no binaria. Muchas de nuestras personas han tenido una necesidad a largo plazo de licencia médica y familiar pagada. ¿Puedes hablar un poco de eso? Claro. Um, pues para ser muy sincera, yo um, también soy una mujer trabajadora de color y también miembro, si uno quiere decir, de 9 a 5. Um, y como madre, a veces es muy difícil tratar de cuidar de uno mismo, de sus hijos, de sus padres o cualquier otra circunstancia que a veces uno um, no sabe que va a necesitar um, a largo plazo la licencia médica y familiar. Entonces es muy importante saber que usualmente las mujeres de color a veces somos las que tenemos que cuidar de nuestro hogar, ya sea nuestros hijos o nosotros mismos. Y puede ser muy difícil porque a veces yo trabajo, pero si hay necesidad de ir a cuidar de mi hija o cualquier cosa, a veces puedo perder mi trabajo o a veces tengo que empezar todo de nuevo. Y puede ser muy difícil um, para poder estar allí Igual en el trabajo y en el hogar y muchas veces um, los dos se cruzan o se intercambian. ¿Hay una historia de un miembro que realmente capta la necesidad de licencia pagada en el estado? Yo creo que hay muchos miembros en donde son muy afectados y tienen sus historias. No más que la diferencia a veces las personas um, por 
tanto de lo que uno pasa puede ser un poco difícil de expresar las necesidades que uno tenga. Um, pero yo sé muchas personas, incluyéndome a mí misma, a mis compañeras, a miembros o hasta familiares en donde esto sería un beneficio que de verdad ayudará a nosotros como mujeres, pero también a nosotros como familia. 9 a 5 Colorado fue un participante integral para impulsar esta necesidad y cambio de política. ¿Cuáles fueron algunos de los obstáculos que enfrentamos como organización? Nosotros como organización enfrentamos muchas cosas, um, pero una de ellas fue la necesidad de priorizar la organización um, y saber que los trabajadores um, dejen saber a 9 a 5 que eso fue algo que fue una necesidad para nosotros y nuestras familias. Igual, del falta de respeto hacia el liderazgo de las mujeres de color en, esta, en este sistema general en donde nosotros también necesitamos un poco más de apoyo porque tenemos muchas más responsabilidades. Igual, como los trabajadores um, necesitan un poco más de tiempo para estar con la familia, ya que nosotros sabemos que como trabajadores a veces tomamos mucho más tiempo en nuestro trabajo que cuidar a nuestras familias. Queríamos asegurar, asegurarnos que esta aseguranza iba a um, ser algo que venía del Estado, en donde no iba a afectar mucho a los trabajadores, sino darles un poco más un poco más de recursos y ayuda para poder seguir trabajando y cuidar de las familias. Muchas gracias, Edith, por romper los obstáculos y la historia de la licencia médica y familiar pagada en Colorado. En el episodio 5, la tendremos de vuelta para hablar sobre la gran ganancia de Family y cómo los trabajadores de Colorado pueden beneficiarse del programa. Esto concluye el episodio 4 de nuestro podcast. Gracias por acompañarnos en Voces de Resistencia. En nuestro próximo episodio, escucharemos más de Edith sobre los beneficios a los que tiene derecho como trabajador de Colorado Bajo Family. Si el episodio de hoy lo inspiró, visite 9to5.org para obtener más información sobre nuestra misión y visión. Allí también puedes hacer una donación monetaria para ayudar a elevar nuestras Voces de Resistencia. Mi nombre es Jocelyn Miboa y este es Voces de Resistencia, un podcast de 9 a 5 Colorado. Gracias por su atención.